Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined today by Dimity McDowell. Dimity McDowell, say quick. <laughs> like in the rolling yards, you say like you're mountain biking. Just you're going down a hill. Just go with Dimity. <laughs> so it's so hard to um, correct people when they say my name wrong. I just go with it, right? Oh, I know. I've I've been next to you when it happens, and I, and I always felt kind of like I was the one who would get indignant for you and just yeah. kind of chime up and be like, "It's Dimity." <laughs> yeah, not Dimitri, not. Dimity, Dimity, lots of Dimity. Dimity. I like that. I'm not a Russian man. I'm not Dimitri. Yes. yes. No disrespect, but uh, no yes, disrespect you. That's not. I, I am many things. A Russian man is not one of them. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. Yes. So, um, so we are recording this actually on International Women's Day, but um, it's not airing until mid-April. So some of this might be a tad bit outdated, but we do have to talk about one thing, Dimity, which is that you are fresh off of a three-day-long volleyball tournament. I am, but wait, we should back up because you're not supposed to go to work on International Women's Day, so what are we doing here? We're supposed to be, isn't that part of it? <laughs> Just kidding. Can you, isn't that part of it? Like, you're not supposed to shop or go to work or... Oh, what are we doing here? What are, what are we doing here? I yes. got it. I got the question now. Yes, yes, I know. Yeah. Well, since we are a women's-owned, women's-run business for women... Um, yes. I think we're, we're just showing support for ourselves, perhaps, by being yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. We're all in. We're all in all the time. Every day is Women's Day yeah. around here, right? Um, yeah, yes, I was in a volleyball tournament um, this weekend. And I think I said on the other, someone quoted back to me that volleyball is in the new swim meets, volleyball matches, volleyball yeah. tournaments. And yeah, that was definitely true this weekend. I mean, it was, um, if, if we have volleyball aficionados out there, it was called Colorado Crossroads. And apparently mm-hmm. it's like, one of the biggest tournaments in the country. Oh my so goodness. Teams from all over the country go and there's like spots for nationals. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, our little, you know, suburban Denver team was um, <laughs> a small, small fish in a mighty, mighty big ocean. So that was rough too, just because of the, you know, the play. Um, they, they ended up kind of finding their groove on the third day, but yeah, oh, it's, a, it's uh-huh. you know, it's just a different, um, I mean, every sport has its, ups and downs as a, as a parent. Right. But mm-hmm. I mean, for the, for me, what is hard about, um, the volleyball tournaments is the noise. Oh, I was and just about to say it's the noise. It's indoors, yeah. wooden floors reverberating off the walls. It's the yes. noise. <laughs> well, and it's, it's, so this is the convention center. I mean, there was courts as far oh. as I could see, I mean, downtown, the Colorado convention center. So, I mean, I think there was easily 70 courts, I would say. Oh my gosh. Um, and, um, and so every court has a ref, two refs, each have a whistle. Mm, great. Um, yep. And then the cheering girls, you know, don't <laughs> underestimate the teenage cheering girls. And um, it's so funny because my mom ended up coming on Sunday to watch and she's like, oh my gosh, this is a perfect sport for Amelia because there's so much um, touching and so much like teamwork like after every point they come together and they kind of do a little huddle circle thing or they you know touch hands or something like that you know there's a lot of like encouragement and contact at least with her team i'm not saying wait 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 so is is amelia a very um touchy person oh oh my god yes (laughs) like to the point where i'm like you can't sit on my lap anymore amelia you are over six feet tall and you're just about my size and i mean i can handle it for about three or four minutes and then i'm like okay you got to get off I'm like oh my sciatica oh my (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) exactly i can't handle it i can't handle it are your kids are they are any of them touchy-feely um john definitely he will um 
he likes to hold my hand while we watch TV and he'll he'll snuggle with me and Daphne definitely always wants at least one goodnight kiss um but like I mean I got a hug from Phoebe on my birthday and that was really a big that was big oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so but also I was thinking about I, I don't know if I, you know I I know we've talked about this probably before on the podcast you know I'm not a hugger um yeah. and um so I'm very I'm very verbally loving toward my children at times um but <laughs> <laughs> uh but I I was thinking about just the other day I'm not the most um like I don't you know I don't know rush and give them a hug when they walk in the door from school and things like that Sure, so, sure. Well, yeah. I think I don't think many teenagers do that at this point anyway. <laughs> um, how was your birthday? Happy birthday, oh, March 4th. You. Yes, thank you. Uh, it was it was a Saturday, so that was nice. Uh, went for a solo run because Molly does this 10K series, um, and so she was off doing that. So, And I listened to music for the first time in a long time while I run, and boy, that makes you run faster than a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a little pep in your step, huh? It sure did. Um, I listened to um, the uh, the soundtrack from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical, which was a special 90-minute episode that, you know, I can sing the entire um, libretto to, maybe. Um, so, Perfect. Yeah, so I listened to that, and, and um, so that was fun. And then Daphne had a basketball game, and then she had to get straight, both of them had to get straight for the um, Shrek um, they had an all-day practice rehearsal for Shrek because um, it opens tomorrow night as we're recording this. So it was you sure. know, five days before. So they did that. So I have to say it was awfully nice to have the house largely, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Happy yeah. birthday to me. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So, um, so then, but I've done, I did something which I've now, uh, was the second time I've done. I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to see if Phoebe wants to go out to lunch. Uh-huh. And um, I'm not a go out to lunch type of person. And so I asked her, oh, I, and I was going jean shopping, Dimity. And because um, I decided that I have several sh- short boots, but I don't have any jeans to wear with them. And, and I don't know if you'll remember, but you gave me advice one time when we were, she's like, Sarah, yeah, I think you should roll your jeans instead of tuck them. Or I don't know which it was, but it was good advice. But I still am like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get a pair of jeans that are the right length for short boots. So I took Phoebe up to this store and got advice and got a pair. And then we went um, to a uh, fun street here, Alberta, and had lunch. And um, so, yeah, it was the second week in a row we'd done it. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is great. Like, she talks and she engages and we have a good time. And so so that, that is, was... That's awesome. That sounds yeah. like a perfect birthday. Yeah. So that was, that was a real high point. And then Molly cooked dinner for our family. And so our family went over there for dinner and... I love the cake that I make, that I bake, and uh, the kids love it too. So I baked the cake and brought the cake over. As I was saying, you make your own cake. That's something I that I know about you. So, yes. um, but it's an, it is a, <laughs> it's an especially tasty cake, though. I have talked about before on the podcast. Yes, so, for sure. Yeah, yeah, Yum. yeah. Yum. So that's great. Um, so, so going back to talking. So I read this article this morning in the Wall Street Journal mm. about talking to teenagers because Amelia's. Um, you know, she's very, she likes physical contact, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, verbal, not so much. Like we mm-hmm. went last night to, um, oh, this high school orientation where she had to sign up for classes. And I was like, oh, what do you think about, I mean, they get to take like woodworking and design classes and French and this, I mean, it's just so many, I mean, I'm just like, oh, can I come? Can I just, like, oh, so many options. So I was like, well, well, you know, what do you think? What, which ones do you like? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and I realize now, you know, seven years into I don't know is I don't know is I'm overwhelmed and I'm shutting down, oh. um, which is 
you know, finally good for me to realize I'm like six or seven years. And that's her response to she's not trying to be curt. She's just not really she's just, you know, having a tough time, overwhelmed, right? A little scared, a little anxious. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so so I'm like, oh, gosh, that's a little frustrating from my end just because I want I want to be able to talk to her about this, you know, I mean. And Mm -hmm. so I read in the Wall Street Journal about having a journal that you pass back and forth between a mother and a child. It doesn't necessarily have to be a girl, but, you know, teenage girls are probably the, the ripest target for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a friend who does it, um, and they and it actually kind of works out pretty well. And it's pretty cool because, um, you know, you there's no judgments, and, you know, sometimes writing things out makes you process them better. And I don't know, I was thinking about, I don't I mean, I don't know how to suggest it to her because I'm pretty sure she's going to shoot it down before I... You know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. get it off the ground. But I just, what do what do you think about that? I think it's a great idea, and also, I mean, just think about how wonderful it'll be to look back on this journal. <laughs> <That's> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, you better save it if we do it because it's really fun. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually just um, on actually my birthday, I was going through um, the drawers next on my nightstand and I found what I thought was an empty journal and I'm like oh that's so cute it has these butterflies on it and everything and I opened it up and it was a journal that I'd totally forgotten I kept when Jack and I traveled around the world in 2000 mm. and, and I was like oh my gosh this is like the greatest present I could find and and my gosh the level of detail of what I wrote down I mean it was insane like what we ate at meals and sure. you know, like all the you know, like the, the, we like I opened up to a random page because Jack's like oh just open up to a random page see what we did and it was uh, talking about being in Chiang Mai which is um, in northern Thailand and uh, there was this um, little monkey that we got introduced to you know was it some I don't know some roadside place and the monkey just I remember adored adored Jack and wanted nothing to do with me <laughs> which of course drove me bonkers because I'm like oh, I just want to squeeze it and hug it and so, oh, yeah, I wrote down the monkey's name. And, you know, I said that it was a, a man-loving monkey. <laughs> <laughs> man-loving. It's probably gay. It's a gay monkey. Yeah, right. <laughs> no oh, judgment, so but funny. I did keep note of it. So, yeah, um, yeah. so it was just so much fun. So Jack's like, oh, read more, read more. And I was like, okay, we're going to parcel it out. You know, we'll read a couple pages. And, um, yeah, it was that was awesome. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so um yeah, so I had a nice birthday and um I think journals are a great idea. How about that? We'll wrap up several topics in one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So but looking forward to when people are listening to this podcast, Dimity, we will be both on the um couple weeks away from uh going to big race expos. On the road again. <laughs> yes, yes, hitting the road. We I'm headed to Pittsburgh with um coach Amanda and coach MK from the mm-hmm. Train Like a Mother Club. Um right now we have about um well this is as I speak and I haven't opened up the list to um AMR in general. Mm-hmm. So I've just been grab, grabbing people that are that are running Pittsburgh. The half and the full are on the same day, mm-hmm. um May seventh. And um and so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a shakeout round in Pittsburgh on Saturday morning. So the races are on Sunday. The, the longer races. Um, so shakeout runs Saturday morning. And then I think we're in the process of finalizing this, but I think we're going to have a, a gathering at, um, we're staying at the Omni William Penn. <laughs> Anybody knows where that is? Um, and um, Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, we're staying there. And uh, I think we're going to get a room there. Um, I mean, beyond the room that we're sleeping in, get a conference room oh, uh-huh. um, to have a gathering so we can have a chance to have, you know, a Q&A with the coaches session, have a chance to hang out. We might do a little poster making. Like, um, I, 
I guess I shouldn't be talking about it because I'm not entirely sure how it's going to totally shake out. Um, <laughs> we're waiting on a couple things, but that's um, that's the plan for now. So I'm excited. And, and um, we're going to have a booth there as well, right? And really awesome limited edition merch with um, if people. We are using the same design from last year, but we updated the colors and I picked up the shirts already. They actually are already en route to Adrian because Adrian Martini is going to be working the booth hard at the expo and then the hats will be um hurdling toward us in april um so really fun stuff and then awesome. yeah and that same weekend i will be in eugene oregon otherwise known as trek town usa and uh just like last year i'll be at the eugene marathon uh which also has a half marathon on the same day and have limited edition merch that um is totally cute last year we did a run eugene shirt and this year i've updated it to run oregon because i'm gonna be at so many races in may that i'm like let's just do an oregon one and it has these (laughs) cute little um uh little hidden creatures in it and so it's these um trees in two different colors but um if you look closely enough you see there's a little owl in one and a deer peeking out from behind another one. Oh, awesome <laughs> they're so... a bird. is there a bird in there that's that's the whole thing put a bird on it right? yeah well so that's so an owl that's a type of bird right oh, that's an owl that <laughs> yeah. is yes i was thinking more um that's like i always think of like owl nocturnal animal more than bird right Oh, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, I think if we had put a sparrow, it would be a little hard to, you know, like see it and everything. So the owl is it looks really good and um, totally different color than last year's shirt and um, and then updating the hat to go with it. So cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cute. So, yeah. And I have been um, a busy woman going getting all our spring doing press checks on colors and stuff for all our spring March. So I've been having fun, a lot of fun doing that. That's great. So That's yeah, because then in May I'm going to be May's my May's the big month of expos here in Oregon. So I'll be at Eugene the first weekend, and then the day before Mother's Day I'll be at the Hippie Chick Expo. Then I get a weekend off, and then heading out to Bend for Happy Girls, um, and then get back from that on Memorial Day, and then the next following night on Tuesday night I head out to Maryland because I'm going to be at the Zuma Annapolis race once again. Very excited to go that, and I'm going to be the MC again. And oh awesome. my gosh, we're making this limited, making this limited edition Annapolis stuff or Maryland stuff. Oh, it looks so good. Um, because last time I was there, Cynthia, who um, always helps in the Jew of Run Zuma Annapolis with, she's a devoted bammer, she um, was looking over at some running store that was there and they had some running Maryland stuff. She's like, oh, people in Maryland are so proud of their state flag and, you know, we love our state flower and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, okay. So uh, this year, so we're incorporating the flower, which is the Black Eyed Susans and the flag. And that's going to be on a hat and a tank top and... I mean, it just, it looks super badass. It's awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Are, there, are there any crabs? So I always think of... Yeah, crabs, like is, crabs, crabs well. is the other thing. So oftentimes, like, you'll see a crab done up to look like the state flag. Because the state flag is really oh. very unique looking that it has uh, white and kind of a um, goldenrod color and red and black. And then the... And a lot of it's almost tribal the way the design of it is and um so then they do crabs and i was just like oh crabs and running like they sort of don't go together so <laughs> i went and said you know me i love i love me some flowers dimity so i yes, went instead yes. with the with the black eyed susan and then i was telling you this on the phone the other day that i went on pinterest for inspiration and i looked up uh, maryland tattoos and this one woman had this really awesome tattoo of um Black Eyed Susans, and one of them had made it look like um, it had the Maryland flag on it. So took that as inspiration, and um, 
Coco gear ran with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So (laughs) I feel like I need a vision board and, you know, have colors for the season and what my inspiration was. Exactly. We're we're just two steps away from Project Runway at this point, right? (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) That's something Amelia would talk to me about. If we ever got on Project Runway, then she would talk to me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Did Did she watch Project Runway Jr.? We watched it a little bit. I, you know, I think she watched it more than I did, but not, um, no. I mean, not with the same intensity that we watched the regular one. Oh, uh uh-huh. Although there were some very, very talented kids on there. Like, don't get me wrong. I was like, they made that? You know, like, it is is pretty impressive when you get to that point, that level. Yeah, and I also do wonder, though, how much of there is going on behind the scenes, like people being, you know, like professional seamstresses, do you think they're saying, well, this is how you do a box pleat, and this is how you do this and the other thing, because the girl who ended up winning supposedly had only been sewing for, I don't know, 18 months or two years, she was not, I don't know, I mean, you know, she did the designs for sure, but, because I, uh, have you ever watched um, MasterChef Junior? Yes, yes. Yes. And so, I mean, that one blows my mind. And supposedly they say like, okay, you're going to be making creme brulee tomorrow. So here's a creme brulee class. And they oh. teach the, you know, so here's how you use the little, you know, thing to caramelize the sugar. And here's the blowtorch. Yeah, the blowtorch. And here's how you, you know, merge the eggs with the warm whatever so you don't curdle it or whatever. And um, so, yeah, it's not quite, I know that for MasterChef Junior, it's not quite as off the cuff as television would make it seem. Wow. Mm-hmm. Reality TV isn't real? Is that what it's, you're telling me, that's Sarah? What that's, that's what, if you read between the lines, that's what I'm saying, yeah. You're rocking yeah, my yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just fun to watch. It's, it's a good, it's, and it also helps that it comes on Thursday nights. Like, that's a, you know, that's a big TV. Oh, that's yeah. It's probably the only time we watch TV together, you know, and it's uh-huh. just, it's nice. It's like, towards the end of the week, we don't, we didn't have activities that'll change with the spring, but Yeah. yeah. So you all don't watch Amazing Race? I always think of your family watching Amazing oh, Race. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's not on, though, right now. Um, uh, Alex is like, oh, on. yeah, Amazing Race. <laughs> you love Amazing Race? I think that's such a fun show. And I love it because it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I'm putting educational in quotation marks, but it is cool to see, get them to see all the different parts of the world that they, oh, know, they sure. sit down and watch a documentary about Thailand or, you know, Portugal yeah. or something like that, but they right. all see, you know, some traditions and that kind of thing. Are you all watching Planet Earth too? Oh, you know, I want to. Oh, I'm so, so good. bad at. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm just. I'm not a good TV watcher. Um, it's. I have a hard time. Uh, I can give you TV pointers. <laughs> okay, thanks. There, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mother runner and a hashtag TV watcher. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want. I want to see that for sure. It's just um, like I hear about things and then I forget about them. Oh and, yeah. And um, I'm just need- not good at. Uh, I get the. Them. I get this uh, newsletter from the New York Times. It's called Watching. And oh. Um, oh, it's so good. It comes once a week and it tells you, you know, like, and, and it's really, you would love how clever the writing is. I mean, it is just A plus yeah. writing. Ugh, I get the their York- book one. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I, I must be similar. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. they do, you know, and it'll be like, I have a half an hour and I like to laugh or, you know, um, I have, you know, I want to do a marathon and not, not hear any English. And so it'll be like a, you know, foreign movie, blah, 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 something oh, like that. And, and so then it also, then if you sign up, um, on, I guess the watching New York times website, you can click add to my watch list. So then, um, and they, you know, do things on TV as well as Netflix and Hulu and Amazon prime and yeah, you know, all these things that I don't even know what they are. And, um, so then you can always go back and look and see like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the movie I wanted to watch. Sure. Um, sure. so, and it well, just, and then, say, I... and we do have a DVR. Oh, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, well, I, I listened, I was listening to um, you and Adrian on a podcast a couple weeks ago, and um, so she said she was loving the Santa Clarita diet, mm-hmm. and, um, and so I was like, oh, I'll try that. Um, when was I, oh, it was after, You're it was trying. Saturday night after the oh. volleyball tournament or Saturday oh. afternoon, and I was like, oh, I just need to do, like, zone out for a while, uh-huh. and I started it, and didn't love it, like, oh. especially as soon as she bit off the guy's fingers, I was like, oh. oh, I don't really want to. No, I haven't watched it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> It must be. Oh, wow. I mean, she's basically a vampire. Like, Drew Barrymore is basically a vampire. Um, like, she dies, but she oh. comes back to life. Or she's she didn't. Oh. I don't really know. Adrian <laughs> left that part out of the details. Yeah. If I, if I uh, maybe if I would have stuck with it, but I was just like, I didn't, I wasn't in the mood, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow. So, wow. I have to say, I am loving the voice, though. So then I went down. So I left my room, and I went down to um, the family room where everyone else was, and uh-huh. they were watching the voice on, you know, on uh, direct TV. Uh-huh. And I, I just, I mean, it's just fun to watch the, um, the, the judges kind of chat back and forth, especially now that, you know, Gwen and Blake are all lovey-dovey, yeah. um, and having yeah. Adam in the middle of that. And, um, and I, I think Alicia Keys like hung the moon. I love her, just mm-hmm. her grace and her poise and her perspective. So yeah. it's really, it's fun to, to see that. I gotta say one thing about, um, you mentioning Adam Levine last night when John and I were driving to see, um, uh, improv, Ellison and improv, we, um, uh, a Maroon 5 song came on and I said something about, oh, Maroon 5. And John goes, oh, I don't like boy bands. And I'm like, what? And he goes, oh, there's five guys and it's a boy band. I'm like, it is not, Maroon 5 is not a boy band. <laughs> I'm like, as far as I know, Adam Levine is the only one who sings. He's not a boy. Uh, you know, he's a man. <laughs> he's a man. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was so funny that like, he just cast dispersion on Maroon 5 because he thinks it's a boy band with five members. <laughs> that's hilarious that's awesome not a boy band <laughs> oh my goodness well for today's show we are delighted to welcome back Catherine Switzer who first joined us as a guest three years ago a true pioneer in the world of women's running Catherine is the 1974 winner of the New York City Marathon who was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 2011 for creating a social revolution by empowering women around the world through running Catherine is the author of several books, including Marathon Woman and Running and Walking for Women Over 40. But Catherine is perhaps best known to be the first woman to run the Boston Marathon as a registered runner with a bib number. This year marks the 50th anniversary of her historic feat. Catherine will join the conversation right after this quick break. Catherine Switzer, welcome back to Another Mother Runner. Oh, Sarah, it's wonderful to be back with you and Jiminy, honestly. Um, you know, we're crunching in now to Boston Marathon time, so it's great to talk mm-hmm. to old friends. Oh, yes, we are dear. crunching in. But before we before we talk about casting forward, let's cast back for a minute, Catherine. And you've done so many wonderful things for women and women's running. Um, you know, do a little brief summary for us and a few bullet points about your career up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for those kind words, Jimmy. That's really nice. Uh, I- I guess everybody remembers me mostly as the, the woman who crashed the Boston Marathon in 1967 and wore numbers, bib numbers, first first woman in Boston to wear a bib number. And um, the race director became so infuriated that a girl had registered for his race and was running that he leapt off the press truck and attacked me and um, tried to throw me out of the race. 
Um, yeah, we laugh about it now. It was terrible at the time. But mm-hmm. um, it, it, in the fullness of time, that moment had, has captured the public imagination so hugely because that was an amazing photograph. Um, he did it right in front of the press truck. And the photo of the incident really went around the world even that night and continues even today. But what happened to me was that I had entered this race as a girl um, just wanting to run a marathon. I wasn't there trying to prove anything. I was just so proud of the fact that I knew I could do it. I'd done it in practice. And suddenly now I was being told I was unwelcome and, and worse. And I went ahead and finished. I was determined to finish. I wanted to prove that um, I could do it and that women everywhere could do it and should be allowed to do it. And it was, it was really a radicalizing experience. It was also an, an inspiring experience because I realized women just needed opportunities, that they didn't believe in themselves, that they were fearful, um, that they believed all the myths that surrounded arduous sports for women. And, and they were going to be forever limited by their capability um, or their belief in their lack of capability, rather, if they, mm-hmm. if they didn't have an opportunity to try otherwise. So in short, what I did is I really kind of devoted my life to creating those opportunities. It also became a career um, that expanded into broadcasting, writing, um, everything, though, really slanted toward creating the opportunity and influencing women and empowering them. Um, my, my biggest triumph, I think, um, up until now, because something else has happened, um, had been the fact that I was a leader in getting the women's marathon into the Olympic Games. And that was mm-hmm. a, a, a process and a career that lasted on and off for 25 years, which which involved organizing a global series of races with Avon Cosmetics sponsorship um, that eventually went to 27 countries with over 400 races and over a million women. And those those races still exist today, many of them, many of them. And the data and statistics from those events led to um, getting the women's marathon into the Olympic Games because we proved we had the international representation, we proved we had the talent, we had the drive, the numbers, and and even got the medical evidence to prove that women have inherent capability and endurance and stamina, which, of Mm -hmm. course, changes all of our futures when we look at the fact that we actually have some limitless capability that may be unique to our sex, which is really quite exciting. Um, That's another topic. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, um, now we see what has happened in, in, in my own lifetime, which is really stunning to see that, for instance, in the United States, there are more women runners now than, than men runners, 58%. This is, is even bigger, I think, in Canada, and also it's in France and in Japan. And the, the trend is going global. Women's running uh, is becoming, well, running is really becoming, in a way, a women's sport, which is fantastic. Um, That's because it's easy, accessible, and empowering. And to see this happen in my own lifetime really is nothing short of a social revolution. So that's Mm -hmm. very, very, very exciting. And I'm I'm happy to have been a part of it and just continue to be a part of it. What's happening right now in my life um, is, and we'll talk about this more later, is Mm -hmm. we're realizing that while all of this is happening on a huge scale, uh, and it's wonderful, most of the women in the world still have no opportunities, still live in a fearful situation, still have no access to the, the joy of running. And um, interestingly enough, the old bib number that the official was trying to rip off of me and throw me out of the race back in 1967 has become this kind of cult number, this magic number, meaning fearless in the face of adversity. And from that, um, some friends and colleagues of mine have formed a nonprofit called 261 Fearless. And we are t- organizing clubs and a movement and communication 
merchandising events, etc., but mostly creating a community of women around the world who are talking to each other and are empowering each other through the vehicle of running. And it's called 261 Fearless. And um, our real jumping off point and our real kickoff for this is um, going to be at the Boston Marathon in just a few weeks' time, where we have 125 people, 118 women and seven fearless men who (laughs) are wearing 261 charity bibs and raising money to help this foundation get off the ground and really get the clubs and training and the communication out there to these women globally. I think it's going to be very profound. Um, It's probably the only thing in my life um, I've done that I don't think I really will see full fruition of in my lifetime because I'm 70 and by the time this really, really, it's getting traction now, but when it gets massive, um, I probably won't be around or certainly hope I'll be writing another book and planting petunias. <laughs> because I'm exhausted. I'm yeah, utterly exhausted. I mean, but it's exciting. Have, it's exciting it's time. Really exciting. So those are all the things that are happening. And I, I, I guess it is. Um, oh, and of course, I'm running the Boston Marathon myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I, I gather I might be the first woman to have done it 50 years after she ran her first one. Um, yes. And that's only because there weren't, you know, that many women back there who, then who, who ran and are still running. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's such a gift. I, you know, I'm 70. Uh, the prospect of running a marathon is, is daunting, but I'm certainly not the only 70 or even 80 or even 90-year-old woman who's run a marathon. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it is very, very, very exciting and exhilarating. So Boston is going to be quite a celebration in a few weeks. It is going to be. There you go. Going to be. That's yeah. just some. That's, yeah. um, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a good elevator pitch. So before we dive too far into questions, Catherine, I want to share two comments from the AMR Facebook page. Um, I put up a call uh, yesterday to get questions for this. And so um, a runner named Jill Maxey wrote, and these are kind of long, so bear with me while I read through these two because they just really, I think they're powerful statements. But uh, she says, no question here, but I wanted to thank Catherine Switzer. When I ran the New York City Marathon in 2014, my first marathon, she signed my bib in a note upside down so that when I was doubting myself, I had a reminder I could read that said I could do it. A push that all my hard work and effort were enough. It was just what I needed to see at mile 21. So thank you. It was like a note my mom would write, a note telling me to be proud of myself. And to that, a mother runner named Carissa wrote, that is amazing. I love her even more now. And then Kate um, left this comment. She says, no question, but please tell her it is because of her I've had the pleasure to run 26.2 miles and watch countless other mother runners do the same. I'm forever grateful she had the strength, bravery, and courage to take the stand, to take a stand and race. So, Catherine, my question to you, do you feel the love and gratitude even today when it seems like women runners are, you know, dominating events, particularly here in the U.S., that we were previously, you know, barred from? I I do. I do feel the love and gratitude. But I'll tell you the truth. You you also feel the pressure of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are all these people who, you know, you feel are counting on you. Um, as well as them loving you. And you don't want to let them down in any way. And so, for instance, when you're starting a new nonprofit, you really, or any business, or writing a book, you, you really, you just can't just sit back and relax. You really, and wing it. You, you need to consider them and 
um, and want to do the best you can for them. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's just my overburdened Protestant (laughs) ethnic background, (laughs) growing up always being pounded on to do right and keep your nose clean and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, And certainly I feel enormous pressure about this Boston Marathon. Um, and, and I, and I feel, you know, sometimes I don't have enough latitude. For instance, anybody can get sick or or get hurt right before a race Mm -hmm. and not be able to finish or run or even start. But I feel like I don't have that choice. And you know, what's really interesting is in 67, after Jock Semple attacked me in the race, I turned to my coach and I said, I have to finish this race no matter what, even if I finish, have to finish it on my hands and knees, because if I don't finish it, nobody's going to believe that women can do it and should be allowed to do it. And so I felt that no matter what happened, I had to finish. Well, fortunately, things all went fine and there wasn't any problem. And I just uh, finished the race and, and, and it was great. Um, but there was that pressure of constantly, mm-hmm. you know, every time I saw a cop out on the course that day, I'll never forget, I thought he was going to arrest me or pull me off the oh, course. Wow. So, you know, I guess from age 20, I've had that kind of sense of responsibility. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly what I, I'm going to try to do, and I'll, I'd love your all of my loving fans out there to salute me with this. After we get through Boston, for better or worse, I really want to kick back and have fun with running for once. And, <laughs> and for instance, the woman who wrote about New York, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I won the New York City Marathon, but it was in 1974 and it was before the race was in the streets. So this year, if I'm, if I can, uh, if I'm not injured and I'm well and everything, I plan on running New York for the first time through the streets of New York. And I decided since they're training so hard for Boston, I I might as well keep on a roll and, and, and keep in shape for it. So maybe I will see her out there on the course and that would be great fun. Great. Awesome. Uh, So Catherine, one of the things that I, I mean, I, am a huge fan of marathon woman and I've read it a number of times and I have lots of dog-eared pages and underlines and highlights and things. And one of the things I don't have it in front of me right now, but I remember you saying, I think it might have been when you were training for New York or another big race, but you were like, one day I will not be this person that has to get up at, you know, 7 a.m. and go run around Central Park. And instead, I'm going to be, you know, the person who's reading the New York Times and having my bagel. And, you know, I have this inner drive that I can't quite quench. And I'm, I'm curious, are you, do you feel like age has kind of, I mean... I guess the question is, do do you feel like you can run New York City for fun at this point? Or do you still feel like you're going to have some pressure to perform and and perform in in quotation marks, not, you know, not necessarily ripping it up, but still represent as the very talented athlete that you are? Well, I'm not sure I'm a very talented athlete. I think it's probably going to take me close to five hours to do do Boston. But I am 70, so that's my excuse. Um, Dimity. Um, you mentioned my book, Marathon Woman, and you said it's all dog-eared with underlined sections and, and everything. And it is amazing that you remember that. A lot of people, I think, do. A lot of women who are your women, you know, the mother runners who are stressed. They've got a job. They've got the kids. They've got the dog. They've got the house. They've got, you know, a million different things. And somehow they still do their training, um, have that sense of 
why am I doing this to myself? You know, when can I find a break, you know, give myself a break? And I, I do just, I absolutely always remember that moment in Central Park, you know, a snowy day. I was the only person out there. I had to do 20 miles and I kept thinking, why, why isn't there going to be a day someday when I can sit down and read the New York Times and have a cup of coffee? Well, and then I find myself in that situation right now. You know, <laughs> I'm thinking, give yourself a break. So I, I, I woke up this morning after having not gotten any sleep since four o'clock anyway and, and said, OK, come on, you're going to really focus on uh, getting through and really trying to have a little fun afterwards. I, I promise I'll try. But um when you, when you say, um, can you run the New York City Marathon for fun? Well, there, there you go. Right. How, how often do we pin on a bib number and go to a major race and, and do it for fun? You know, um, they are stressful. New York, mm-hmm. Boston, et cetera, the endless bus rides out to the start, waiting for hours, mm-hmm. et cetera. Uh, you know, the money that we expend to get there, um, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't consider those, um, I, I consider those more like achievements, rites of passage. Um, so for some people, they'd say, okay, cross that off my bucket list. Or, you know, it's it's my moment to to um, revel in something, but it's it's not quite, quite, quite fun. What I love most <laughs> in terms of fun is kind of just, you know, those days that uh, we live in a small town in the Hudson Valley, as as well as New Zealand, where we're doing this broadcast from. And mm-hmm. those days when you can kind of just roll out of bed and, and get a coffee and do do a stretch and pull on sloppy clothes and, and then and then go out and find a, a, a local race and just sort of show mm-hmm. up. And that's great fun, you know, without any pressure. Just do your warm up sure. and go run and use it as a time trial. So mm-hmm. um, those those are the fun ones for me. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's actually where um, you and I got to meet was that um, evening race in New Canaan, Connecticut, that um, it was, gosh, I want to say uh, 2011, maybe 2012. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, wasn't... it was super, super duper humid. Yeah. Um, it was like six in the evening. It was part of a series. It was cross country. It was at Waveney, that um, kind of grand estate that's there. And it was, um, and you just seem to be having a good time. And you know, some people recognize you, some people didn't. It just all seemed very low key and accepting and no pressure. And it was, like I said, it was a thousand degrees and a hundred percent humidity. So yeah, in a situation like that. And we, you know, we, we remember that so well and meeting you there, we were, gosh, we were sticky. Um, and we, uh-huh. we just kind of went across that wonderful lawn and then we disappeared mm-hmm. down in the woods. I said, oh, great. Now we're down in the woods. I can completely slow down and <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to see me no. here in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you probably ran a little faster because I remember the bugs were so bad. And so, <laughs> so it's like yes, it was those are the, the fun things. And I remember when we just kind of drank Gatorade out of the back of a truck or something. It was so fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so at the risk of, of putting more pressure on you, which you know, of course, we don't want to do, but I, we're just curious, like, how is your training going? What? How do you approach a marathon at age seventy versus age? How old are you? Twenty. Were you even in your 20s, 21, 22 when you ran? 20, yeah. 20. 19 so, and 20. Yes, oh, 50 years. Well, there you go. The, the training, the training now at 70 is very much like the training was then. Interestingly enough, the training in between when I got to be a pretty good runner and was working very hard is utterly different. But here's here's the deal. is basically now I need to get the, the miles on the legs. And um, I try also to do uh, um, about once a week or once every 10 days at least, 
some speed, and I don't mean like really fast stuff, I mean some speed where repeat 800s or repeat uh, 1000s, um, just so I don't have to be out on my legs as long. In When I was 19 and 20, um, I was a four-hour, 20-minute marathoner. And so practices were very long and long runs were very long. Now um, it's about the same. I mean, I'm, I've done... Uh, my longest run was Saturday, and I've done a four-hour run. And mm-hmm. I know that's not enough to finish the marathon, so I'm debating now. Do I do I go out and do a four-and-a-half-hour run? Um, do I push it longer? Um, the difference is is that at, at 70, I don't know at what point I might um, – uh, you know, break the, the uh, blow the tire or something sure. like that. Kind of right. Like where you're like, I'm doing more harm than good at this point. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, my husband, Roger Robinson, who's, who's pretty expert on all this stuff. Um, and, and has stayed mostly out of my training, except for encouraging me and encouraging me to, to perhaps knock off at six o'clock and please go do a run. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is important. Um, saying, look, you know, you know what it feels like to run a marathon. You've done it a million times. And, um, you know, you probably don't really have to do the full distance in practice like you always think you do. But having said that, I've always been a believer at least once before a major race getting uh, the full distance in because then you know psychologically you can do it. An interesting thing about the training, um, first of all, I've done the, the bulk of the long stuff now here in New Zealand. And I've been really lucky because of course it's, it's, well, it's early autumn now, but it's summer, been summer in Mm. New Zealand. Now it's not, it's not hot. Uh, it's, it's not like just paradise. It's not hot. Um, Mm. but it's more temperate, but it's been very, very windy. And so, Mm. so it's not ideal conditions, but it's a hell of a lot better than the Northeast of the United States and the Hudson Valley. So Mm -hmm. I'm really, really blessed with that. And basically, touch wood, you know, it's, it's gone pretty well. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is, and I know, I know your listeners and your readers all agree with this. My life is so stressful because of the, the 261 Fearless Foundation right now with all the things we have to do and preparations for Boston and stuff. And the run is the best part of my day. The, the run breaks that stress. And um, I run now every other day because um, I have a physiotherapist who said to me, listen, it's as much about recovery as it is about stress for you, Stre- you know, push. So run every other day. And then I've been w- back working on my core, which is another thing that, that I'd always thought I would have forever, but it somehow disappeared and I have to get it back. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. I, if it makes you feel any better, I'm 44 and I've, I've lost mine as well. So we can be, uh, you know, coreless together. <laughs> Um, but so it's, in, in, it is really important. I mean, I find that, you know, working on these abs and with weights and stuff, I'm running back upright and, 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 and keeping the, you know, the, the pelvis and back in good position. So I'm, I'm thinking that that's been very, very helpful for me. Interesting. So, and, and a quick follow-up, you run by time instead of distance now. So like you were saying, you've run four hours, you're debating running four and a half. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there, I'm going to have a, a, a time check uh, or a distance check on the 25th of March. Um, I'll be back in the States and there is a practice run for the charity teams uh, in Boston from Hopkinton to Heartbreak Hill. 
and it's mm. it's called the Hop 21. It's on March 25th, and everybody gathers in Hopkinton, and um, and it's gotten so popular that people sort of have been flying in for their last long training run because they wow. get some experience on the course. Because you know that course mm. is diabolical. It's sure. it's, it's so sure. downhill for a while, and then all of a sudden it goes up, up, up from 16 to 18, and then 21 is the the big hill. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I think the one at 16 is the worst, but at any rate, at 21. <laughs> And um, and then supposedly when you get there, you know, everything's easy after that, which is not true, but um, yeah, supposedly, <laughs> psychologically. Yes. So I'm going to go do that and we'll see how long it takes me to do 21 miles. Okay. Okay. And so, and so is, we can ask one quick question, yeah, Sarah. Yeah. So this is a really serious one. And this is the other point that I always think of when I think of marathon woman is you out doing your runs in a leotard back when you were, <laughs> did you go to Syracuse? Was that right? Yes. Yes, a leotard. I just think about that. And I think how uncomfortable that would be. I just want you to talk a little bit about that and, and tell us what you like to run in now. <laughs> well, I mean, the clothing now is just so fantastic. But that old leotard was was very comfortable. But the but the most comfortable thing, and everybody still screams when they see the pictures, is the big baggy gray sweatsuit. And yep. and everybody said, oh, my God, I can't believe you trained in that. Well, can I tell you, in Syracuse, sometimes it was like 30 degrees below zero. I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'd get warm and cozy in there. I'd have have a couple of T-shirts on and those tights and then the baggy gray sweatsuit and then a windbreak over the top of it. And I would uh, – we all were like that. And the outside, we would get uh, – the sweat would go through the, the fabric um, and it would freeze on the outside. Mm-hmm. But inside, we were warm as toast. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. and it was so soft and cuddly. It was like pajamas. Now, now what I wear, um, you know, I'm I'm more of a shorts person, but I probably out of um, uh, uh, shyness for my my kind of droopy looking legs. Now, you know, it's it's mm. the legs look great, except the skin tone is mm. not what it was sure, sure. <laughs> or you think it looks fine until you see the race photos and then it's like the you know the kind of the pounding and it makes all of the, the ripple effect and it's like oh oh my gosh do people actually see that ripple effect or does is it only caught by a, a camera yeah well it's there um and it's what's really funny is it's at 70 when you are losing now body fat because you're training hard but the skin just sort of is wrinkly looking it doesn't mm-hmm. tighten up like it did when you were 20 you know so yipes so probably i'll wear capris in the in the Boston Marathon, but basically I train in capris or in um, in shorts. Um, mm-hmm. If it's cold, naturally I'll wear um, uh, tights, um, mm-hmm. and then you know a, a singlet or a light t-shirt, um, um, and always a visor and sunglasses because it's you know the sun. Even the light is it bothers me, so I always wear mm-hmm. those and gloves. Mm-hmm. You know, I, even if it's just sort of kind of mild weather, I often wear gloves because it's good to wipe the sweat or your nose, but also mm-hmm. because sometimes your hands in front of you when it's windy get very cold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh, and then, then all bets are off once the hands get cold. Yeah. Yeah. So so what all do you have planned for yourself in the Team 261 Fearless Charity Running Team? Well, there's so much going on at Boston. It's going to be great. First of all, these women are from 10 different countries, uh, men too. Mm-hmm. So 10 different countries, 22 states. Um, there are 125 on the team. Um, we're coming together in Boston. We're going to have, um, uh, I, with the Boston Athletic Association, I'm going to have several press conferences. But um, with with the 261, we're going to have two press conferences and we're going to have a wonderful gala dinner the night before the race. 
two six oneers have we have special private buses to take them out to the start. We have to go early, but that's okay. We're going to have a nice big tent with a, mm. like a floor or something, toilets, oh, wow. some coffee out oh, there. Nice. Yeah, well, nice. because you know these these people have given us body and soul, so we're mm-hmm. going to try to make that that starting as as convenient as possible. Because we the we all talked about it. We said, well, the one thing we really want to do is we can't stay together in the race. We know that, but let's try mm-hmm. to start together. And so mm-hmm. as a band of Mary Indians, we're all going to pour into our start. <laughs> and to do that, because we have people who are like three fifteen runners, and we have people who are plus six walkers. We, we, uh, we all have to, if we're going to start together, we have to start at the last, in the last corral of the last wave. So we're not, we're not going to get to start till 1115. So Mm -hmm. presumably we're going to be getting out there at about 630 in the morning and we're going to be there till 1115 before we start. Mm -hmm. That's a long Mm -hmm. time. That's a long it morning. Is a long, yeah. yeah, yeah. Make them comfortable. It is a long That's, time. That, this is your chance to have, read your paper and and drink the coffee, right? <laughs> on, a, on a nice leisurely morning, right? You got five whole hours to do that. Well, well, for them, I, they, you know, the BAA wants me to start the elite women's race and do a bunch of interviews and stuff. The, the 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 thing that always worries me in these situations, and 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 you have to admire really elite athletes because they face this all the time. By the time the race starts, they're exhausted. <laughs> that's the thing so, i mean i keep thinking for you and uh, you know my maternal instincts are kicking a bit in and i'm like oh my gosh she's just got to take care of herself i mean if you've got so much to do and then a marathon on top of that and you are this public persona and you're going to be you know celebrating this amazing anniversary like i know i absolutely know you can do it but i'm already like okay well so how are you going to take care of yourself when you get back to the room like what are you going to do you know i think well, that's yeah and you know every time you think okay and i get a i, I see a little downtime right there then that you sign oh there's another reception you know yeah yeah <laughs> boston right. was full of press conferences and receptions but but look it's about the celebration it's about just finishing it not not you know um not time so I will try to embrace it, embrace it, and not be too nervous. But I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm quite nervous. In fact, as soon as I finish this uh, interview with you guys, I've got to scramble around here and put on makeup and everything because ESPN is on its way over here. They brought in a crew from New York and are doing right. a tracking me today and running and, and around the house and one of those oh, those interviews. It's a show that's going to be. They on. needed to track you when you were recording another Mother Runner podcast. Well, I mean, they're missing out on such an important part of your day. We, we are actually going to fake that. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah. Oh. We're going. We're going. They're going to come over, and we're, I'm going to have this all still set up, and I'm going to pretend like I'm talking to you guys. But I didn't want them to be here when I wa- really was talking to you. Oh well, if you need me to get back on Zencaster with you, I'm happy to do it, Catherine. <laughs> Well, just remember to open I Chrome. Said, I said it's pointless to to record it a lot of it because they they um, you won't hear them. I'm on a headset. Right. right. It's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very exciting. So, oh. so um, I saw that um, run with purpose. I know it's one of the hashtags of Team Two Six One. So um, tell us what that phrase "run with purpose" means to you, and how how you feel you'll live it as you go from Hopkinton to Boston. I think with run with purpose is about the fact that we're running for for more than just to run. We're running. We've raised this money, and we're running to in, uh, help other women find their fearless. Um, mm-hmm. And we're we're dedicating ourselves to taking how much running has meant to us uh, to women who've never been able to have the experience, and we're going to give that to them. Yes. Yeah, so, so how are you going to do that? I mean, I'm just curious. Like, how does um, you know two sixty one fearless? Like, if I want to go, say, introduce running to 
I don't know, just, I won't even name a country because I'm not even sure where you want to go, but like, how, how are you going to do that? We, the best way we do it, and I encourage everybody listening um, to do this, is to start a community, 261 Community Running Club. And the best way, as you know, with another mother runner is when women get together, when they talk to each other, when they communicate with each other, when they have a buddy. And that's what the club is all about. And uh, the club, when you say club, it sounds... Uh, it, it sounds like it's like an organization, and it is. It is because we want the leaders of the club to know how to form a non-judgmental community of women that is is non-competitive um, and that meets to run safely and freely all their lives and injury-free. So those those are the tenets to it. But the simplest, best way we feel is to organize groups of women so that they have a buddy and they have a community so that one day a week, maybe more, but certainly one day a week, you can put all the crap of your life behind you and go with your group and, um, and get the sense of empowerment that comes from running. And sometimes it's hard for women to do it on their own, but if there's something that they go to and they have this welcoming community, non-intimidating, non-judgmental, um, it works every time. So that's what I'm encouraging people to do. And if they go to uh, www.261fearless.org, it gives you all the tools for how to start the club, how to register, how we will interview you and um, get you the training you need. We have a whole um, uh, process called Train the Trainer. It's a very unique training process that, that we have created with some really expert people on our team. Um, how to form this community, and we want you to take the course. It's two and a half days. Um, we, we have to charge something for it, but it's only $261. But we're looking now at creating scholarships so that people can waive that fee because we really want them to start, start these organizations. And that's part of what the fundraising is about, is so that we can create this scholarship fund. But mostly it's to get our trainers out all over the world to say, okay, we're going to have a training um, site uh, in Boston, as we are, in fact, right after the Boston Marathon, or in Colorado, which we have done, or in Denver, which we have done, or in um, Dallas and um, North Carolina. Um, but let's go to, um, you know, we're in Austria, we're in the UK, but let's let's we're starting in in China. Let's let's go to the Middle East. That's mm -hmm. that's going to be very very exciting. So that's where the funds need to go, so that we can we can get our people there to to introduce this concept around the world. That's great. We we well, also then. have um you know we have great sponsorship uh, and uh, from a couple of organizations and um and and they've been really helpful for us. So we're also hopefully going to be getting into to merchandising and events. And we look. It looks like that we have we have licensed our brand uh, to an organization in China, and we're looking forward to having the first women's um, marathon in China, uh, international oh, women's wow. marathon in China next year. Oh, fantastic! That's fantastic. So we're going to move on to just a couple questions from our Facebook page that people posted, and um, some of them actually feed right into what you've been talking about. Um, so this comes from a mother runner named Shelby. She says, as a wife and a mother currently training for a marathon, I often encounter people who ask why. Why get up at 3 a.m.? Why hobble around with sore and tired muscles? Why put your family on the back burner to get in all those muscles? At times, this can, at times, this can shake my confidence. She says, let me tell you, I hear these questions circling in my mind at 3 a.m. too. 
So our question is, as a pioneer in our sport and a role model for so many women, what was and is your why to push for your goals when there are so many doubters and shamers out there? Well, I'm sorry she's experiencing that, um, doubters and shamers. First of all, she knows how good she feels. That's good enough. (laughs) Running makes you feel good. It makes you feel like somebody. You're empowered. That's really, you know, enough. Um, And she knows that in her heart, but she's looking for an answer to tell people. So this is what I tell people, and it's the truth. I say in a funny way, running has given me everything. It's given me my uh, drive. It's given me my focus. It's given me my vision for change. It's given me my religion. It's given me my husband. It's given me my career, my travel, and my health. Most of all, it's given me me. It's given me myself. And um, so she can use one or all of those. (laughs) (laughs) And why people who ask the question, of course, don't understand because they don't run. And why it happens is uh, a curiosity to all of us. Everybody on this show is is curious. Why is it so empowering for me to go out and put one foot in front of the other? Why does it change my life? Well, is it chemical? Maybe it is. Maybe it's those endorphins. Is it psychological? For sure it is. It's also because in our lives we're so time constrained. We are so busy with other things. We never take time for ourselves. And this is a time for us to put you know, a half an hour or 20 minutes or even 10 minutes out there and say, hey, this is my time and I can focus, I can think about myself, I can think about the things that matter to me or the bigger picture. So when she says she's putting her husband and the kids and everybody else on the back burner, maybe she's not. Maybe what she's doing is she is making herself better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen, indeed. Okay, this one is from Courtney. Um, while there are many women running, they tend to be white women. How do you think we can reach out to embrace women of different ethnic and socioeconomic backgrounds? It's a little bit, I imagine, what you're going to try, what you're doing with twenty two sixty one fearless. But um, talk about how we how we bring in people who don't look like us into the sport. Yeah, that that always was something that that uh, that bothered me a lot from the very early days of running. But don't forget, we're looking at running in the U.S. as a as a white sport. Um, you know, it's certainly not in Africa um, or, or other countries. Um, but you know, as everything, we have to we have to overcome traditions and provide the opportunity. Um, we hope with two six one that we're going to be able to do that, of course. You know, and welcome them. And right now, if you look at our website, we don't have any women of color on our website yet because we don't really have that many women of color in our organization, and we would really like to. Um, and, and and you know, we're making trying to make a conscientious outreach for that, and that'll come. We're very young; we're only two years old. But here's an organization that is making huge strides with that, and that is Black Girls Run. As soon, mm-hmm. as soon as that organization began and they formed their group of women and black girls saw other black girls running, they say, hey, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a group. Whereas it would be very difficult for them to sort of step out of what they know and just start start running. So um, that's that's again it feeds into my whole idea of the club concept of the group concept. So I think that's one of the biggest things. I would I would love to see women of color join us in 261 and form community clubs. I would embrace it and throw my arms around you. 
Nice, nice. But we too, so, we too are going to take responsibility too. We're going to try to do an outreach. Um, mm-hmm. And and I've had some really good conversations with uh, uh, the the two six. I mean the um, uh, Black Girls Run Women. They it's a it's a marvelous organization. Um, they're they're a little stressed out too, like I am, because it's become so successful and right. and popular. But oh my gosh, when these when these women come to a race and what they do, the Black Girls Run, they come to a race. <laughs> as a group often and they are so joyful and so colorful in energizing it is a, it is a wonderful thing to see mm-hmm. they have a dance mm-hmm. party after the ones that i you know with sarah we've been to some zuma races right where they have a right dance zuma party atlanta afterwards. yeah yeah that was so much fun yeah oh my gosh <laughs> how can you run a half marathon and now you've been on a dance floor for an hour but like <laughs> more power to them that's awesome yeah yeah so, um, so from our Facebook page, Katie asks, and you touched on this um, with Jock Semple trying to pull you off the course. Um, she says, how did you gain the mental fortitude it takes to be assaulted at the beginning of a run and continue on to the finish? Your running career seems to be just as physically impressive as it is mentally strong. What was impressive about making that decision was the fact that I was only 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look back on that and say, how did a 20 year old girl running her first major race with the press truck and everything beaming down on her have the courage to make the decision to finish? There was that split second when I was so frightened and so embarrassed that I, I kind of wanted, you know how a little child covers its face and goes home to mama? That's what I wanted to do. I'm going to step off the course and go to my mother. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when I realized if I did that, um, nobody would believe women. Uh, could do that and that that I would always be told that I was a clown or a fool or that I was only running the Boston Marathon for publicity and and I knew that it would be so much harder to live it down and that I would I would always look back on that and and say you you could have finished you you did 31 miles in training two weeks before why you you can't stop but it was it was it was the it was the women themselves I, I didn't want to let down but why at 20 I mean that's a decision that somebody who's 50 could make maybe and I got to think, I thought about it and thought of it. And I think it's because when I was 12, my dad encouraged me to start running. So essentially, from the age of 12 on, I was a little girl and I grew and went through puberty and everything else with my running. And it took me through all of these um, ups and downs of a, of a teenage life. And always it was there for me as the victory under my belt, nobody could take away from me. And it also gave me kind of body armor. It gave me a sense of myself and my own capability. So by the time I was 20, I was pretty tough. <laughs> so I think, I think that's where that came from. Now, certainly what was hard physically about the moment was that after, um, I, when I continued on and, and the official got back on the bus and then cursed at me and went on to the, mm. to the start. Um, after that, we, I, and all of us on our team went into this real trough, you know, because we'd lost all that adrenaline and I, mm-hmm. everybody out there knows the feeling when you're running and you just, you almost get hit by a car or you almost get bitten by a dog or something. And you go, Oh my God. And you have to walk mm-hmm. for a little bit because you've just lost all your energy, but the energy came back, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. I kept running and it came back and it kind of was like coming out of anesthesia. <laughs> Waking up. Oh, here I am. <laughs> I hope that answers the question. Um, I, I think it is the more you run, the more courage and the more fearlessness you have. 
it's great. Yeah, no, I love I love your comment about body armor. That that's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so last question from our Facebook page. Um, Angela, who's also a fan of the Marathon, your Marathon Woman book, um, wants to know, um, what would you like to see happen in women's sports from today forward? Great, Angela. Great question. And, and I'm delighted that she loves my book, Marathon Woman. I have some great news about that, by the way. Which What's is that? Marathon Woman is being relaunched um, with a special 50th anniversary uh, edition. Uh, out in the stores on April the 4th with a new cover, a new introduction, uh, updated, new afterward. So it, it is gaining a life again of its own. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And we actually have optioned the rights for a film, so who knows what will happen with that. Oh. Yeah. And oh, by the way, I talked earlier in the show about ESPN. The ESPN show um, uh, that they're coming to, to work on again this afternoon is going to be aired on uh, Sports Center, ESPN Sports Center on March 26th. So if you guys want to tune in, oh, yeah. that'll be great. It's, it's before Boston. It's, it's about women's... Oh, by the way... Um, uh, happy uh, International Women's Day. And this, I know, yeah. Uh, Someone pointed out on Facebook, they're like, it's perfect that you're interviewing her on International Women's Day. Absolutely, International Women's Day. And they wanted, ESPN wanted the interview for inter, uh, for Women's History Month, which is, is this month. So that's the reason mm-hmm. for that. So, Angela, thank you for liking my book, Marathon Woman. Um, you're going to have to go out and get yourself another copy, which I'll be glad to sign. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> where were we going from here? Well, in... In a way, I answered this earlier, but I'm just going to repeat it because you can't say it enough. Mm -hmm. We are so lucky to be living where we're living and have these opportunities. Most of the women in the world have no opportunities. Most of the women in the world live in a fearful situation. And I say most of them, most of them. I mean, you know, we say, oh, gosh, you know, North Africa, the Mideast. Oh, everything's terrible. Um, Hey, it could be the woman next door to you. Okay, and I think that the future of women's sports is going to be the more opportunities that we can take to women everywhere, even virtually, even virtually, because sometimes you just need to know you're not alone out there um, is the thing that's going to transform them. They have to feel their own physicality, their own power. Um, I think you can write about it and talk about it till you're blue in the face, but it's when you put on your shoes. Or maybe not. Maybe you can't even afford shoes. But just get out there and start moving. When you when you when you do it, when you do something, even a mile, even ten minutes, then you say, "Okay, I can do something, and I can be something." That's where it's transformational. I think what we have seen already is a social revolution in sports in my own lifetime, which is very exciting. That's only fifty years um, of of going from being thrown out of the Boston Marathon or trying to be thrown out of the Boston Marathon to more mm-hmm. women running than men. And probably, um, we are going to be right at 50, 50 in the Boston Marathon, which, you know, as we all know, mm-hmm. is a stringent qualifying time and takes a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of effort for a, a woman or a man to get there. So the future I think is exciting, very, very exciting because we can take movement and sports to people very, very economically, if, if not totally cheaply. And it, it changes women, changes them profoundly. I think it's one of the greatest vehicles for social change. Many societies, a friend actually told me this, a friend said the Mideast is never going to change until the women change. Hmm. And women themselves often can't change. They're often the biggest resistors of change because they are fearful. And so that's the, that's the cycle we have to break. 
And when we do that, then everything changes, as we have yes. seen here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. So, so Catherine, we could talk to you for hours and hours, but we know you have things to do. But one final question. Do you know, uh, like, what color top you might be wearing at Boston so people can spot you in the crowd? Oh, you know, I wish I did know. <laughs> I wish I did know. Um, I'll tell you, folks, unfortunately, uh, first of all, it's going to be colorful. You know, because okay, it, it'll be something like bright aqua or bright orange um, or whatever. <laughs> but right smack on my chest, you're going to see 261 because the Boston mm. Athletic Association is giving me my old bib number. Oh, wow. um, mm. And it's going to be uh, it's going to look like it's got scribble or 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 kind of a you know filigree all around it, because I'm going to ask everybody who is on my team to sign it for me so I can wow. carry them with me through the race. And um, and that bib is going to be kind of a bright color. I think the Boston colors are, are you know, they're blue and uh, yellow. And it'll be quite, mm-hmm. quite dark with a great big Adidas across the top. Um, mm-hmm. And um, but but it's going to be weather contingent. You know, I've been in Boston when mm-hmm. it's been snowing and I've been in Boston when it's 100 degrees. So we'll yep. see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. 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 Well, well, we will all be thinking of you and cheering for you from wherever we are on that day. So have a have a wonderful time. Thank you guys so much, Sarah and Dimity. You do such a great job with another mother runner and all of your listeners, your viewers, your readers. I salute you. I thank you for your support. Uh, and we'll talk again when it's all over. How about that? That sounds that would be great. lovely. Enjoy. Perfect, perfect. Enjoy every mile. Thank you, dears. Yes. All right. Thanks, Catherine. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. So she is just a deer. I just, oh. I, I just love her warmth. Right, it just comes oh. through oh, so I know. much. I know, I know. And the thought that she puts into things, she, um, I just love a deep thinker. Um, I do too. Yeah, yeah. I do too. But I gotta say, so it brought me back. So the, the whole running in Syracuse, and you know, we both oh, went yeah. to school very close to Syracuse. And I remember once our crew coach said, um, he came from Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin. Uh-huh. So he had that, you know you know, you run in any weather mentality. And he told us to put newspapers in between like our shirts and our sweatshirts to help keep in our warmth on one (laughs) crazy cold early January day. I was like, oh my God, this is like bordering on child abuse. Like I just was just like so damn cold, so damn cold. I mean, I know they're having a more temperate winter, I think this year, but oh my gosh. (laughs) And that makes it sound so dated that to be like, oh yes. And we put newspaper in front of our, in between our cotton layers. Oh my gosh, I had a wool um, union suit that I used to sometimes wear out to rowing practice, like underneath my <laughs> cotton layers, you know? <laughs> so with the drop, the drop drawers, is that what that's called? Oh, you betcha. Red? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I didn't, I didn't run in it. Thank you. But, uh-huh. um, but yeah, no, I went, and I have a, there's a picture somewhere of me doing like this kind of Superman pose in my union suit. With my I was going to say, it's quite a sight, you know, like, I mean, it's a union suit alone, but you know, right. union suit on a 5'11". Yeah. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh my goodness well that was fantastic to talk to her so then the question becomes Dimity did you pit out again like we did uh both did last uh, time we talked to her I mean a little bit you know I was just thinking I might need to change my shirt a little bit you know um it's just I mean she puts you totally at ease mm-hmm. it's just more that um you just want to make sure you I mean you know what she's probably answered those questions like some variation of those questions oh hundreds of times oh sure oh yeah yeah, yeah. but she makes it feel like it's brand oh you're asking me how it felt to keep <laughs> 
over the Boston Marathon 50 years ago. Right. Like, oh, this is so fresh. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. Oh, she's, my. A, she's, a, she's a gem, though. Yeah. I, I adore her. So I hope that she, I, you know, no matter what she does, and I, and I hope my question about, you know, running New York City for fun was, was not um, disrespectful, but it's more like, you know, I just hope that she realizes that just the fact that she's going the distance is such an inspiration mm-hmm. to so many women, you know? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, and then she's like, oh, and I'm going to run it in five hours. And I'm like, okay, we have a lot of listeners that would die to run a, a marathon in five hours. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. anyway. It's going to be great. It's going to be so wonderful to watch that. So, so great. Well, um, Dim, let's hear what's going on in the Train Like a Mother Club. This one is about the Boston Marathon, which, as you know, is right around the corner. This is coming from Allison Taylor, who is headed to Boston to run on Monday. She um, had her host of problems during her training. She had a big hamstring issue, and then she um, tweaked her uh, ankle as she stepped off a curb and really took quite a bad fall, gave herself a black eye. It's been, it's been a journey just to get to Boston. So, so here's what she wrote in her post recently. Hello, friends. I'm five days out from the craziest thing this 55-year-old mama has ever done. I had my pre-race call with Coach MK, and she challenged me to write my goals here. Goal, finish. Wish list, finish pain-free, finish with a smile and happy tears, finish with an official time. For me, that means about 6.15 or less. Finish in less than six hours, negative split. And anything beyond that is ecstatic gravy. My last physical therapy visit today, I have a massage tomorrow, I fly to New York City late tomorrow night, drive to Boston, and then I kick back and enjoy with my aunt, my BRF, who was able to come to support me at the very last minute and my other East Coast friends who are coming in on Sunday night just to cheer for me on Monday. My eyeballs just started to sweat. Thank you to everyone who has given support, whether you click like or left a thoughtful, heartfelt comment. Consider me forever changed and humbled by all of this. I'm also thankful for the privilege of being able to be on the American Liver Foundation's fundraising team for the Boston Marathon. I have two liver conditions that preclude my ever being able to donate blood or donate organs until cures are found, so it hits close to home for me. If you're a praying person, feel free to ask for good weather, anything under 60 degrees, preferably cloudy, a hamstring that stays quiet, and an ankle and foot that holds up. Have a great race, Allison. Have fun. Soak it up. Anybody who is running on Monday, just go enjoy every step as best you can. Kiss the girls, high five the crowd, and um, and just have many, many happy miles. We'll see you next week. Thanks for hanging out. If this podcast keeps you company on your long runs or while you fold laundry or commute to work, please rate us on iTunes and leave a brief review. A favorable one, we hope. Ratings and reviews help more listeners find our podcast, helping spread the word about another mother runner. Thank you, and we really appreciate the support. Many happy, fearless miles to you. Two six one. Two six one.